Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet, reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, Georgia lawmakers look to legalize LGBTQ discrimination. The United Methodist Church doubles down on anti-LGBTQ animus. The formerly homeless valedictorian kicked out of his home for being gay is thriving in college and just scored a congressional internship. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine's Terry Crews got called out for saying kids of same-sex parents will grow up emotionally malnourished. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. State Senator Marty Harbin of Georgia has introduced SB 221, a Religious Freedom Restoration Act that would legalize discrimination against LGBTQ people in the Peach State. Nine state senators, seven of whom are committee chairmen, have signed on as co-sponsors ahead of a March 7th procedural deadline. According to Georgia Equality, SB 221 would, quote, allow businesses to refuse service to LGBT customers, among others, and would grant taxpayer-funded agencies, like adoption agencies, a broad license to discriminate against LGBT youth, families, and other Georgians. In 2016, a similar bill was passed, but former Governor Nathan Deal vetoed the legislation as economic backlash prompted the Metro Atlanta Chamber to predict financial losses in excess of $600 million in regard to sporting events, convention business, and major movie location shoots. During his campaign last year, then-candidate, now-Governor Brian Kemp, told his followers he would support legislation that mirrors the language in a federal religious freedom law that was passed in 1993. That legislation the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993 was found to be unconstitutional by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1997. The Supreme Court ruled that the law could only apply to federal government, not states. As a result, 21 individual states have passed their own RIFRA laws. SB 221 includes the same language as the federal RIFRA, but also adds provisions for recovering legal costs in religious lawsuits and gives judges the power to change local laws that might be deemed as infringing on religious beliefs. Georgia political pundits say the bill will probably pass in the Senate, but the legislation's chances in the state house are unclear. Former Vice President Joe Biden came under fire this week for calling current Vice President Mike Pence a decent guy while speaking at the Chuck Hagel Forum in Global Leadership at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. The comment was especially surprising for those familiar with Mike Pence's lengthy history of anti-LGBTQ policies and positions. The comment came as Biden brought up Pence's recent speech at the Munich Security Conference last month. During that speech, Pence mentioned greetings from President Trump to the audience, which was met with stark silence. 
Speaking to the Nebraska audience, Joe Biden said, The fact of the matter is, it was followed on by a guy who's a decent guy, our vice president, who stood before this group of allies and leaders and said, I'm here on behalf of President Trump, and there was dead silence. Dead silence. Reed Epstein, political reporter for the Wall Street Journal, tweeted the comment, writing, In Omaha, Joe Biden calls Mike Pence a decent guy, our vice president. Sex in the City star Cynthia Nixon called Biden out on Twitter, writing, You've just called America's most anti-LGBT elected leader a decent guy. Please consider how this falls on the ears of our community. Biden responded to Nixon's tweet less than an hour later, admitting the misstep. He wrote, You're right, Cynthia. I was making a point in foreign policy context that under normal circumstances, a vice president wouldn't be given a silent reaction on the world stage. But there's nothing decent about being anti-LGBTQ rights, and that includes the vice president. Still, Biden's comment got many in the Twitterverse very upset. One tweeter wrote, Mike Pence believes in gay conversion therapy and allowed an HIV outbreak to happen in Indiana. No, Joe Biden, Pence is not a decent guy. He's scum. But Washington Blade reporter Chris Johnson, a very smart guy, by the way, folks, if you don't read Chris's stuff at thewashingtonblade.com, you should. He's a terrific reporter. Chris pointed out that even openly gay Mayor Pete Buttigieg has referred to Pence in positive terms. Johnson tweeted, To everyone mad at Joe Biden, know who called Mike Pence a super nice guy two years ago? Pete Buttigieg, the gay candidate running to become president. Biden's comment seems like a conventional, my opponents aren't evil, just wrong kind of thing to me. Biden has a long history of being a staunch LGBTQ ally. He came out for marriage equality before his boss, Barack Obama, did, and he was recently the speaker at the National Human Rights Campaign Dinner. From my perspective, I think the comment comes across as Biden just being affable in referring to Pence. I don't think it was a full-on testimonial about Pence's character. With the 2020 presidential election looming on the horizon, I want to ask people to consider what and how you critique candidates on social media. We need to not attack and tear folks down over one ill-thought comment. Trust and believe, if Biden should run and become the Democratic nominee for president in 2020, you can bet I'll be voting for him. The United Methodist Church voted this week to strengthen its ban on gay and lesbian clergy and same-sex marriages, which threatens to divide the nation's second-largest Protestant church. After three days of intense debate at a conference in St. Louis, church officials and lay members from around the world voted 53% to 47% to continue current church policy, which states that the, quote, practice of homosexuality is incompatible with Christian teaching. The vote was viewed as a rejection of progressive members' push to open the church to lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender members. The United Methodist Church, with 12 million members worldwide, now faces a huge split. Some pastors and bishops in the United States are already talking about leaving the denomination and possibly creating a new alliance 
for gay-friendly churches. Interestingly, a new poll showed 60% of Methodists believe homosexuals should be accepted. A plurality of 49% say they favor same-sex marriage. 54% say they are Republican, compared with 35% who say they're Democrats. 58% say they believe abortion should be legal. And 53% say stricter environmental regulations are worth the cost. But the issue of gay rights has always proved to be uniquely decisive in the church. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens. So, who wants to hear some good news? Ooh, me, me, pick me, pick me. Last summer, I reported on the story of Seth Owen, a high school student who became homeless after his father did a deep dive into his cell phone and discovered Seth was gay. The intrusion into Seth's personal life began a series of events that led to a year of being subjected to so-called conversion therapy, forced to attend a church that was virulently anti-gay, and eventually being thrown out of his own home by his parents. However, incredibly, while couchsurfing throughout his senior year of high school, he maintained a 4.16 GPA and graduated as co-valedictorian of his class. Even as he celebrated his amazing achievement, Seth learned after he was accepted to prestigious Georgetown University that his parents reneged on any financial support, leaving him far short of the funds to attend his first semester this past fall. One of Seth's teachers, who recognized his strength and burgeoning potential, launched a GoFundMe campaign to help him cover the shortfall. Seth's story and the campaign went viral, exceeding all expectations by raising over an incredible $141,000. Thanks to the LGBTQ media covering the story, Georgetown University also took another look at Seth's situation and granted him a full ride to the school. Now, fast forward to today, where the good news is Seth is not only thriving in Georgetown, but The Hill is reporting he recently landed an internship in the office of Florida Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy. After reading about Seth and his past challenges, the Congresswoman reached out to Georgetown to offer her support and an internship in her office. She told The Hill, I'm proud that Seth chose to be a part of our team. He will always be welcomed here, and I'm happy to see him thrive. Our entire office is rooting for his continued success. Seth began interning at the Congresswoman's office in January and will be working with the office for the remainder of his spring semester. Additionally, Seth told the Orlando Sentinel this week that he's launched a scholarship focused on helping students in marginalized communities access post-secondary education. The $25,000 donation he received from Ellen DeGeneres last year on her television show was used as the seed money to begin the Unbroken Horizons Scholarship Foundation. Seth gave a big shout-out in the Sentinel interview to thank his supporters for their incredible generosity to help me achieve my dream of getting to college. Each and every day, I am humbled by the opportunities I find in our nation's capital. He's also seeking more donations for the Scholarship Foundation and is urging students to apply for scholarships. I'll have the link for the scholarship application in the show notes. 
Another day, another baker refusing to make a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. This time, the baker is Susie Dennison of Susie's Sweets Bakery in Burns, Tennessee. Brandy Ray shared in a Facebook post this week that she met with Dennison to arrange for a wedding cake for her upcoming nuptials. Apparently, the chat was very pleasant. But Ray received a note from Dennison via Facebook afterwards saying she would not be able to make the cake because... Jesus. Dennison's message read, I really enjoyed our time together and I truly wish you the best, but after realizing that your union will be of the same sex, I cannot, with my spiritual conviction and beliefs, do your cake. I want you to know in saying that, I do love you in the Lord. Had I known before you left, I would have said something then. Ray responded online, I'm sorry you feel that way. Have a good night. Now, the interesting thing is Dennison claims in her note that she didn't know it was to be a same-sex wedding. But Ray posted a photo of the invoice Dennison hand-wrote, which clearly shows both brides' names. Things that make you go, hmm. She also shared on her Facebook post that she mentioned her fiancé's name, Michelle Schmidt, like, 10,000 times when she and Dennison met at the consultation. According to Dennison's website, the baker says she can, quote, bake any type of sweet treat you need for any occasion. Well, clearly not any occasion. Nowhere on the website does Dennison say she doesn't make wedding cakes for same-sex couples. Now, we've seen cases like this before, most notably in Colorado, where anti-LGBTQ baker Jack Phillips of Masterpiece Cake Shop refused to bake a cake for a gay couple for their wedding celebration. Phillips took his case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, where he won a narrow victory when the high court ruled the Colorado Civil Rights Commission had appeared to view his case with an anti-religious bias. Unlike Colorado, though, the state of Tennessee has no legal protections for LGBTQ citizens, so Dennison's behavior here is totally legal. Ray hasn't indicated if she plans any kind of legal action. Brooklyn Nine-Nine actor Terry Crews is being slammed on Twitter for a series of tweets in which he argued that children need a mother and a father calling children of same-sex parents severely malnourished. The tweet storm began when Cruz, a devout Christian, criticized a New York Times opinion piece. It seems he was offended that a woman had written an op-ed about young black men. On his Twitter, he wrote, Another thing that bothers me is that this op-ed was written by a woman about how boys should be taught to grow into successful young men. How would she know? Men need to hold other men accountable. Cruz picked up the conversation on Saturday after it veered into a discussion of single-parent parenting. In a tweet since deleted, you know the internet's forever, folks, he added, I've reiterated many times that same-sex couples and single parents can successfully raise a child, but I believe paternal and maternal love are like vitamins and minerals to humanity. No matter where you get that paternal and maternal love, my purpose is to give paternal love. When he was told by another Twitter user that love is not gendered, a child will not starve with only one gender loving them, Cruz replied, 
but they will be severely malnourished. And Twitter came down on him, accusing him of homophobia and misogyny. Cruz later offered a mea culpa, writing, I apologize to anyone who is hurt by my severely malnourished tweet. It was in response to someone who said kids wouldn't starve. It was poorly worded, so I deleted it. One user asked, What the F is wrong with you, dude? We all trusted you only for you to turn out to be a misogynistic, homophobic asshole. Cruz replied, You apparently thought I was your puppet, but I have a mind of my own and can see and think very clearly. The phobic tag is the most feared public tag next to racist. I don't fear it because I'm neither. Bullies come in all shapes and sizes. Which, Mr. Cruz, we now see. Before the Academy Awards even started last weekend, post-star Billy Porter won the red carpet. Porter stopped traffic on the red carpet wearing a tearaway velvet tux gown by Christian Serrano. Vogue tweeted, at the Oscars, post-star Billy Porter defied fashion norms by stepping out onto the red carpet in an unapologetically fabulous gown. Now, when Vogue is talking about you, you know you've arrived. Porter was trending on Twitter for well over an hour thanks to his fashion sense. Billy rocked the red carpet throughout this award season. At the Golden Globes, he donned a tailored suit and a pink cape. He showed up at the American Film Institute luncheon sporting a goldenrod gown paired with a matching blazer and headscarf. He told the New York Times earlier this year, One of the things I've realized is that I've always had a gender-fluid sensibility with clothes, and it was so squashed by homophobia. He also told Vogue later, now I'm in a space where, being on pose, I'm invited to red carpets and I have something to say through clothes. My goal is to be a walking piece of political art every time I show up. To challenge expectations. What is masculinity? What does that mean? As a disclaimer, I'll admit I've known Billy since the early 1990s and no one cheers his artistic and political wins more than I do. I danced in my living room watching Billy navigate the Oscars red carpet, knowing exactly what his intentions were. Bravo, Billy. Bravo. As he was recovering from a life-shaking breakup, out singer-songwriter Kisos penned in real time his upcoming EP, Sweet Nothings, featuring one track for each of the five stages of grief. The catchy dance-pop lead single, Happily Ever After, is a bouncy electro-pop bop with a handsome artist deep in denial, using delusion as poison motivation to better himself and survive the pain of seeing his ex with someone new. The track not only offers soulful vocals, but sophisticated writing, I love the rhythms, and terrific production. Happily Ever After is now available on all digital download sites. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing The Randy Report with your friends. I like to think of this podcast as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. 
I'll close with Happily Ever After by Kisos. Warning, adult language. And remember, if we want to see our lives reflected in pop culture, we need to support it. So, if you hear something you like here on The Randy Report, head over to iTunes or Amazon and buy it. That's $1.29 that helps artists create and reflect more of our lives. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Refuse to believe you don't want me. It saves me, but it kills me inside. Cause hope is deadly when the situation's hopeless, but I've accepted denial. It's fucked up, but you're my motivation. We'll grow up and then you'll see what you're missing. You'll come home and then you look at me the way you used to, the way I want you. I killed myself for you, you killed yourself for me. Now that we realize what went wrong, can we move on happily? Now that we realize what went wrong, can we move on happily? Happily, yeah. Refuse to believe that this new guy you found is better than me, is more than a fling. And the possibility that he's your new everything is haunting my dreams. Why isn't it me? It's fucked up, but you're my mother. Kills me inside